0: I want to take you back to the south of Brazil again, to the city where I grew up. It's called, it's called Curitiba, and it's about 900 meters over sea level. And I took you there last week already, uh, those of you that were here in the service, and I told you uh, a bit about cold winter afternoons in the south of Brazil. In Curitiba. Cold winter afternoons when my whole family would gather in my parents' bedroom and lay down at the foot of the bed and on the floor and on the desk because that's where the sun came in through the windows during the winter and sort of warmed us up. That was the place to lay down in the sun. Because the light does that, right? The light of a source like the sun does that. It can go through the glass and touch our skins touch our bodies and do something to us actually change the temperature of our skins so here's another thing from Curitiba the city I grew up in we used to joke that you could get all the seasons of the year in one day so this is what would happen you would get up in the morning and you're cold to the bone. It's humid, so it's a different kind of cold than you get in Norway, right? You're cold to the bone, it's humid, it's damp, it's cold, and of course, it's rainy. It's rainy, of course it's rainy. So, you layer up with your wool sweater and your jacket and your other sweater and your big umbrella because the small one will just not do it, right? Right? Layer up, you grab your umbrella, you grab your scarf and your gloves and whatnot, and you head out into the cold, gray, rainy day. It's like eight degrees or something. Eight degrees Celsius with humidity is cold. Okay? So you go out, and then halfway through the day, as you're walking through downtown, running different errands, I don't know, buying your Christmas stuff or whatever. I don't know, running different errands. Suddenly the clouds break open. The clouds break open and the sun starts shining. And suddenly it's 25 degrees Celsius. It's 25 degrees and you're sweating and you're trying to carry your multiple sweaters and jackets and gloves and scarves and that giant umbrella that just now just seems not only utterly useless but they also make it harder to move around and do stuff because they need to carry all of that stuff. right? The sun's light does that. It can suddenly break the clouds apart, apparently oblivious to all the preparations that we've made to face the weather that we expected. And suddenly the sun just decides to shine on us And change the temperature of our skins. Change us and change how we experience the world and reality in that day and time. We have been talking this season about God's revelation as light. As light. Light shining through windows, light shining through stories, light shining through the scriptures and through the community onto us as a community of faith. Light shining into the world. We have just today, just now, lit the second candle of Advent to remember and represent just that, that the light of God shines in the darkness of the world with ever-increasing light. But what about when the light doesn't just Show things, right? It doesn't just show things. It's often how we think about faith. It will give us a different understanding of things, a, a way of explaining or an image to understand. But what when the light actually touches us, touches our realities, touches our very bodies, touches our very selves? Today's story is about someone who is caught unprepared by the light touching her skin, touching herself in a very concrete way. And she feels completely unprepared for the sudden change of weather. And the story is in the Gospel according to Luke, in chapter 1, and I'll read from verses 26 to 38, and this is how St. John tells us the story. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, a young girl, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary is caught unprepared. But who could ever be prepared for this? Who could ever be prepared for what she's going into or being brought into? How do you prepare to even believe in something like this? Even less experience it. Last week, we talked about another announcement. We we talked about when the angel announces to the old priest, Zechariah, that his old wife, Elizabeth, would become pregnant. Zechariah and Elizabeth had always wanted a child and prayed for it their whole life, but now they were old. And Zechariah struggled to believe. Because even though he had been praying for a child his whole life, all circumstances around him, increasingly more, told him that it wouldn't and it couldn't happen. Now, if Zechariah had struggled to believe that God would answer a prayer that he had actually been praying, Mary is asked to believe that God would do something that she hadn't asked for, And that hadn't even crossed her wildest dreams. Which didn't even make sense. And not only that, these news from the angel, they might be good news on the long term, but they certainly did not look like good news on the short term. The angel is speaking to a young, unmarried, betrothed woman, girl, in Israel 2,000 years ago. I don't know if you know this, but it's not good (laughs) to get pregnant out of wedlock for a girl even today, right? A lot of girls suffer when they find themselves in that kind of situation because of what society puts on them. Now think what it meant for Mary, being betrothed, okay? Young girl, you're going to get pregnant. Before you get married, and it won't be from the man that will be your husband. It will be from God. And who's going to believe that? Who's going to believe that? At that moment, she probably can't even quite believe it herself. What does this mean? What the angel is announcing is certainly good news, but it's also extremely inconvenient, to say the least, and actually quite dangerous for Mary. She could get literally stoned for this. And the angel is telling her, God is about to intervene in history in the most fantastic and redeeming way He has ever done. And He will use you for this purpose. He will use you to change the world. But it will be painful. You will be exposed to shame and sorrow and a whole lot of trouble Are you up for it, Mary? Are you up for it? This is not like Elizabeth's pregnancy. That was odd, and it was a miracle for sure. But still, it was an answer to a prayer that they had been making. This was a baby born into a couple that wanted a baby. The challenge in the case of Zechariah and Elizabeth had been to set the focus on God, to open the door for God's visitation, and to believe that God was able to, to get them pregnant, to get Elizabeth pregnant in the old age. That was, that was the challenge. Zechariah had to believe in God's intervention and in God's power. Elizabeth had to believe in God's intervention and in God's power. But Mary, Mary needs something more. Mary needs to believe in God's grace. Mary needs to believe in God's grace. Seeing God's grace was easy for Elizabeth and Zechariah once they believed in God's power to give them that child. Once they believed in that and the baby is moving in her womb, it's easy to see the grace. A child born into their old age, a child that they had wanted so much. But Mary, Mary needed to believe in God's grace simply because of God. The situation in itself, as far as she could see in that moment, did not automatically imply grace. Grace. The only reason she had to believe that this was good, that it was an act of, from a good God in order to bring salvation, the only reason she had was God himself. She needed to believe Gabriel's greeting for anything of what he said afterwards to make any sense. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. If she didn't believe that, nothing else would make sense. And and there's a passive voice here, right? The Lord is with you, you who are highly favored. The passive voice means that this is God's action. It is God's choice. And with that greeting, Mary is invited to trust in God. To trust in God because what God is about to announce to her is good, but it won't be easy. God's very speaking into the world, God's every action into this world is an act of grace. And only by believing that, by trusting God, can we dare to accept what seems madness if we don't. Doesn't hope often feel like madness, given the circumstances? Doesn't it feel easier not to? But we shouldn't be mistaken here. This does not mean that there is no room for doubt. Faith and doubt are not opposites. Not, really not. (laughs) Right? This does not mean that there is no room for doubt. Mary doubts. Mary doubts. Openly. But every time I read this story, that's what really hits me. I'm humbled, and Mary becomes my teacher in faith. Because what Mary does is that her doubt is not dismissive. Her doubt is not dismissive. She doesn't say, nope, God, no way, this can't be done. It's not possible. It's not medically possible. It's a bad idea. No. She says, how, God, can this happen? How, God? How, how can this happen? If I'm a virgin, this, this doesn't make sense, but she throws her doubt back as a, a searching question to God, right? And with her question, she does not try to excuse herself. She does not try to work a way out of the task. She just lays her doubt barren and open to God. I says, God, how? How? Here's my doubt. How? How are you going to deal with this? How are you going to do this? I don't know. It doesn't make sense for me. And it's interesting that Gabriel's answer points essentially back to his greeting, right? He says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. God will do this. Gabriel doesn't give her a real explanation as as we would like it. He doesn't make sense of everything for her and says, okay, so this is how this is going to actually work out. It doesn't do that. He gives her a person to trust. God is with you, Emmanuel. God is with you. God is with you. And Gabriel's greeting to Mary is not just metaphorical. It is what God would generate in her very body, in her womb. God is with you. God is with you. And this this is the God that is also for us and with us here today. This is why we celebrate Christmas after all, right? This is why we believe his coming means light in the darkness. And receiving this God into our lives, embracing this redeeming act of grace from God, it may imply risk in our own lives. It's not a kind of deal where we get to weigh the pros and cons and then decide. It's the kind of decision where we trust the person. And because we trust the person, we take the risk. Because we trust that God is with us, we trust the risk. Because we trust that this baby in the manger is God himself made flesh out of pureness of love and amazingness of grace. Because we believe that, we step into the realm of faith, into the light of faith. And then we try to figure everything out. And there's plenty of room and necessity for doubt. We wrap it up in distrust in the person and in the grace of the God with us. The risk for Mary was quite high. But she took it humbly and she took it gracefully. She embraced her doubt in the context of believing in God's grace. And that's not an easy thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do. And that's that's why we need to remember. That's why we need to cultivate this sense of the mystery. Of not knowing a lot. But knowing God. Of not knowing a lot. But knowing God, or at least, or at least knowing something about God. Knowing something about God. Knowing that God is good and that God is love. And out of that love, He expresses Himself in grace in the world. Every Christmas, every Advent season, every Sunday and every day we're again welcomed into the mystery of incarnation, the mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of our lives in Christ. And it's a bit like getting caught by the sun and suddenly realizing that all the things we carry with us, all the ways in which we prepare to face life, sometimes feel inadequate and clumsy. And we're clumsily carrying around our sweaters and our jackets and our umbrellas and all this stuff that we build up to face the reality of the world. And it suddenly just doesn't make it. But our hearts are being warmed by the light breaking through the winter clouds. That's the thing with Christmas, right? Is that this light meets us, meets us as a child. And when, when the light of, the God, of God, the light of the world, meets us as a child, we are even less prepared. And there's two things here. One is that we speak about in the Christian tradition and in our faith, one of them is about meeting a child and meeting God in the child. Because when you meet a child, a child doesn't care if you have a PhD. The child doesn't care if you paid off your mortgage. The child doesn't care if you know all these skills and do all this stuff. When you meet a child, you got to kneel down on the floor, <laughs> look them on the eye, and meet them as a person, as a human being. And that's what you have. They care if you share a cookie with them. They care if you play with them. They care if you treat them as a person. And we come to God, and we have all this stuff, and it's not that this stuff is not important as we move around in the world, but in that moment in which we meet God and a child, we're suddenly okay. i got to let go of all this stuff and say God is with us. And when we do that, we're invited into the other thing we speak about in our tradition of faith, which is that we meet, then we meet God as a child, right? We meet God as a child when we do that. then we're there with them. And that's one of the things we do in Christmas, right? We gather around the child. And we let the child, we let the, the child teach us. We let the children speak. We let the mystery Feel the place. We take off a bit, all our sweaters and umbrellas and stuff. and Just stay in the mystery of the light. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who came as a child turn his face towards each and every one of you children of God. And may he bring you peace. So go, go in peace and serve the Lord and serve each other and serve the world joyful.